Ready to end overwhelm and turn your dreams into inspired action? Welcome to the Get Fired Up and Focus podcast, where you'll learn how to plan, prioritize, and fire up your productivity so you can work less and live more. And now your host, MBA award-winning business strategist and Mama Panur, Rachel Cook. If you're ready to get fired up and focused, I've created a free 21-day course to help you get laser-focused, turbocharge your productivity, and get bigger results faster in your business. Give me 30 minutes a day, and I'll show you how you can work less and live more. Visit firedupandfocus.com slash podcast to get instant access to the entire Fired Up and Focused challenge delivered to your inbox daily, as well as exclusive bonuses only available to podcast listeners. You're listening to the Get Fired Up and Focused podcast, episode five. I hear from people over and over again that their schedules are just crazy. I know for a lot of solopreneurs working from home, often while juggling a family or other responsibilities, that your daily schedule can look really disjointed. And feeling like you're running around all the time makes it incredibly hard to create the sacred space that you need in order to do your highest, best level work. I want to share with you today a technique that will allow you to quickly create that sacred space wherever you are. So that when you sit down, you can get instantly focused on doing your highest, best level work every single time. But first, I want to talk about yoga. If you're not familiar with me, I am a passionate, lifelong yogi, and my second business is actually called The Yogipreneur. So I'm really passionate about the practice of yoga and how we can bring that off the mat into our business practices. And there's something magical that happens when you go into a yoga studio for your practice. The moment you step through those studio doors, your body actually starts to begin having this physiological response. Your breath starts to deepen, your shoulders fall back and down, your chest expands, your entire body feels like it's just taken a big sigh of relief and you're grounded again. It's quite amazing what happens when you do something as simple as step through a doorway. But the truth is the magic that happens doesn't require a yoga studio. Often, I think people feel like it's the yoga studio walls themselves that create this atmosphere, that aura for the sense of grounding and centering. And that's not true. What's really happening is the ritual. It's all the things that you're doing leading up to your yoga practice and wrapping up your yoga practice that's creating this sacred atmosphere. So let's look at the practice of yoga through this lens, and then we'll learn how you can apply this to your business. There are three stages that you'll go through. There are three parts to this cycle. First is the opening. For most yogis, you may start with a round of chanting OM. Or maybe there's a guided meditation or simply jumping right into the practice and doing a specific opening sequence like a sun salutation before you get into the rest of your yoga practice. Then you're getting into the actual physical yoga practice, the yoga poses. And this is the second part of this yoga class. The opening rituals prepared you mentally and physically for it. And they're in the second stage 
you sink fully focused into the yoga practice. And when your yoga practice ends, we have another ritual before we step out the door and into our regular lives. Usually it's a pose called Shavasana, where you're laying flat on the floor. It's corpse pose, where you're really allowing all of your work to integrate before you go into the rest of the world. Or maybe you'll have a guided meditation, a reading, a chanting of Om again to close the practice. There's always something that clearly defines both the start and the end of a yoga practice. And this is why so many people experience that something amazing happened during that time. Once you start a ritual, your mind chatter, the voices in your head, they start to quiet down. And once you have a specific ritual that you do in connection to another activity, you're again hacking your brain. Your brain will pair the two and the experience together will become greater than the sum of its parts. It's a Pavlovian response. So in the case of your yoga class, you're training your brain to quiet and calm down so that you can be engaged and present for your physical yoga practice. You stop asking yourself why or what's next. You just start the ritual, and then you can easily stay present and do the next thing that your teacher tells you to do without a whole lot of thought, a whole lot of struggle, or a whole lot of resistance around what's coming next. And this is what's really important. When that ritual ends, when you go through the process of wrapping up your practice, you feel complete. You feel like you can transition and move on. This is why you leave your yoga practice so refreshed and happy. And this is why you don't leave your yoga practice thinking, oh, I forgot to do this or I forgot to do that. That ending ritual is what most people are missing in their business. So I began to study the power of rituals while reading my favorite book, The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. It's absolutely hands down one of the best books you can read about learning how to harness your creativity Twyla Tharp is a famous choreographer and dancer who's produced an incredible body of work throughout her life. And in this book, The Creative Habit, she talks about the power of rituals and how to get started. For her, the ritual that kicks off her day is waking up at 530 in the morning, getting into the cab and going to the gym for her two hour workout. And here's the key. It's not the two hour workout that starts her day. It's actually getting into the cab. She realized that once she gets into the cab, she's on her way. She doesn't even have to question it anymore. There's no more resistance. She's put herself on a path of predictable actions that will get her to where she wants to go. As I've started looking at how creative people like Twyla Tharp or another great one is Stephen Pressfield, who wrote The War of Art, when you start to look at how these creatives approach their work, I realized that many creatives seem to be doing something that the rest of us, we just don't seem to know about. They have these little, tiny, seemingly meaningless rituals that they do every single day without fail. And these rituals help them to get into that creative mental state very, very quickly without hemming or hawing or procrastinating or just struggling with themselves about it. We can do the same thing with our work. And again, just like in our yoga practice, there are three key stages of this. There's a preparation stage, then the work itself, 
And then the final stage is a closing of our work time so that we can get on and actually enjoy our life without letting our work weigh us down during our personal time. Once you figure out a ritual to prepare you for your work and then a ritual to close your work, you'll have created this sacred space in between where you'll be more highly engaged, distraction-free, soulful, and 100% present. This is so powerful. This will allow you to do your best work without having to endure a long, agonizing buildup towards it or punishing yourself for just not being able to jump into things quickly all the time. So to share a little bit about how this works, I want to give you a peek behind the scenes at how I've been implementing this in my own business practice. I want to share with you what little rituals I use and help you break these down in the hopes that more examples might help you find your perfect work ritual of your own. So for me, my work day begins once I've taken my kids to school. My twins are about to start kindergarten. My baby is about to start preschool. He's not quite a baby anymore. So once they're off and at school, it's time for my workday to begin. I drive back, I brew a fresh pot of coffee, and then I set up my workspace. I close the door to my office. I light a candle. I put on my headset, which I have even if I'm completely by myself, and cue up some relaxing music or some kind of background ambient sound, and I open up my to-do list. So these small things that I repeat every single day instantly helps me to get laser focused. I sit down knowing exactly what I need to start working on, and it's not even a question anymore. I don't have to shuffle through anything. I don't have to check my email. In fact, I generally don't check my email until around noon every day. I know what I need to do immediately to start my work and to make sure that when I'm starting, I'm working on the most important CEO level tasks. My closing ritual is basically the same, but in reverse. I write out my must do tomorrow list, which we'll talk about in just a second. I take off my headphones, I blow out my candle, and then I open the doors from my office and head up into my house. Then I will shift into my personal time or my family time, depending on what day it is. Usually I'll go off to the gym. I end my work day and step out as just me in my life with my family, grab my kids, go out and do fun things with the family, take care of myself. So one key piece that I mentioned here that I of course have to dive deeper into is the must do tomorrow list. This is an essential element of my closing ritual. And this is something that I've been doing consistently for the last six or seven years. I learned this habit when I was in a more traditional business consulting role for a Fortune 500 company before I left to be an entrepreneur. And when I remembered that I used to do this and was so productive because of it, I brought it back as part of my entrepreneurial business practices. I realized that people who were getting things done were the people who were able to sit down and knew exactly what they needed to work on that morning. They didn't have to shuffle anything. They didn't question anything. They weren't checking their email to see what somebody wanted from them. They knew exactly what they needed to do. So this concept, the must-do-tomorrow list, is based on a story about the 1900 steel tycoon Charles Schwab. 
Charles Schwab had a consultant named Ivy Lee who offered to increase the productivity of Schwab's people and then let Schwab decide what the results were worth to him. So of course he had nothing to lose. He said, sure, go ahead. What Ivy Lee did was he taught each executive to sit down at the end of each day and create a list. The list only contains the six most important tasks to be completed the next day. The following morning, they would sit down and start the day by working on the first item on that list and not moving on until it was completed. After a few months of this, Schwab sent a check to Lee for what he felt that that technique was worth. It was $25,000. So today, that would be worth nearly half a million dollars. This simple, simple practice ties up any mental loose ends that you might have at the end of your workday. It allows you to really get up from your desk, your workday is done, you've closed out your business practice, and whatever work that must happen next will come when tomorrow begins. You will sleep so much better doing this practice. And the most amazing part of this end of day ritual is it allows you to start off your mornings amazingly well, just instantly on a high note. You'll never sit down in a fog. You'll never have to sit down and shuffle things and try to get organized or prioritized in the morning. You'll already have a plan. It can easily free up the first half hour that most people are spending getting organized before they actually get to work. Now, another thing I want to mention about the must do tomorrow list is it's really important to limit the number of tasks to six or fewer. Personally, I limit mine to only three. I found that when I overload myself with too many things, that I often feel frustrated because I don't work a 10 or 12 hour workday. I really limit my time. I found that I do my best work when I'm really focused in shorter time frames. So I only sit down for maybe four maximum five hours at a time. So during four or five hours, I really can't do more than three tasks in a day And these aren't, again, the admin ops tasks. These are the high-level CEO tasks. So trying not to overload yourself with too many things is really important. And at this point in my business, which hopefully you will get to soon through the Get Fired Up and Focus podcast, I've practiced enough prioritization, planning, and delegation that I just don't have a lot of urgent little tasks pressing on me every single day because my team manages the majority of my admin ops and customer service level tasks. So this really helps me as the CEO to stay focused on the big picture creative tasks that demand dedicated time and focus. So that's where we want to get you through the Get Fired Up and Focus podcast. I find that my best work comes when I'm only focusing deeply on one or two tasks, three if I'm feeling really ambitious. Even if I can just get one big CEO level task done a day, then I know that I've set myself up for success and I'm on the right track. It's time to get into inspired action. Let's create your must do tomorrow list. Now this is a simple and quick little business practice, but there are some key points to making it work best for you. First, remember these are important CEO tasks only. We must understand the types of things that belong on this list and that you start your day with. At the end of each day, you need to only write down the most important tasks to do tomorrow. 
these aren't the urgent tasks. These aren't the emergency tasks. These are the most important tasks. Focus on what's most important, not urgent. That's how we stay in our CEO sweet spot and how we start shifting our role into being the real CEO of our business. Second, I've mentioned this yesterday, you want to make the tasks checkoffable. A key here is that these items on your lists have to be completable, measurable, checkoffable tasks, not projects. A project is made up of lots of numerous steps that are completed in a sequence, some of which could be delegated out. So if you're working on a bigger project, make sure you're only writing down to do today the bite-sized tasks that will help you feel like you're making more progress towards your goals. This is how you set yourself up for success. You want to break things down to make sure that you feel like you've accomplished something. Finally, the next morning when you wake up, tomorrow morning, start with that first task and focus only on that, completely distraction-free, until it's completed. You can start to see how we're layering in all of these ideas from Fired Up and Focused. This is where those pomodoros come in very handy. You can start with task number one as your first pomodoro. Set the timer for 25 minutes. When the timer goes off, take a break. If that task isn't completed, then you'll sit down and continue working on it in the next round. And if it's not finished then, it goes into your next day's must-do-tomorrow list. By creating the sacred space in your workday and having it closed off on both ends, you'll find that you're able to more easily be fully devoted to your work, free from distraction, and you'll start to guarantee that you're giving your work 100% focus and maximum efficiency. If you're loving the Get Fired Up and Focused podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment to rate and review the podcast in iTunes. When you do, it helps me to reach and serve more amazing entrepreneurs just like yourself who are ready to kiss stress and busy work goodbye. Ready for even more ease and less stress in your business? Get the entire 21-day Fired Up and Focus Challenge, plus exclusive bonuses just for podcast listeners, delivered to your inbox for free when you visit firedupandfocus.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Get Fired Up and Focus. Focused.